Who do you think should start a cornerback for the Minnesota Vikings? Quite frankly, it could be a number of guys. You could have as many as six different players who could get the starting nod. We're going to talk all about them. Plus, we had a couple extensions go on throughout the NFL that could impact the Minnesota Vikings. Who are they? How much did they get paid? And which Vikings does it impact? Join myself as I have both the dogs with me and Dave today on The Real Forno Show. Real Forno Show, hosted by Tyler Bornis, the managing editor of USA Today's Vikings Wire, writer for the College Football Network, publisher of Substack Run in Shooter, host of The Good, The Bad, and The Hungry on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network, as well as a founding member of Vikings First and Score. You are looking live. Welcome to The Real Forno Show. I'm your host, Tyler Fornis. We've got a bunch of people already in the comments hanging out with us tonight. See Rhonda, Mary, Skull for Life, Gary. Welcome. We're going to have some fun here this evening. I'm your host, Tyler Fornis. With me, as always, in my lap is Lily Claire. Odie is somewhere on the floor. And top right corner is producer Dave. Dave, we have a lot to talk about. So um, we're going to skip the pleasantries and we're just going to get right into it. Let's talk first about these extensions. Early this morning, I woke up to the news that Andrew Thomas, the left tackle for the New York Giants, fourth overall pick in 2020, signed a massive contract extension that he is so deserving of. Five years, $117.5 million. That is $23.5 million average annual value. That places him second among all offensive linemen in the National Football League behind only Houston Texans' Laramie Tunsil who's at 25 million average annual value. That is a huge deal. And it's a big deal for Christian Derrissaw because Derrissaw is on the same level as Andrew Thomas because he's on the same level. That means you have to plan to pay him on the same level. Now, is it going to be, is it going to be identical contracts? I don't know. I really don't, but I can tell you this. Now you have to plan for this contract to be 23 and a half, $24 million. You have to have that money set aside. You can't look at it and be like, oh, maybe we can get it for like 21, 22. He performs at the same level or better than last year in 2023. That price is going to go up. So that's important to know. The other extension, because we have a lot to talk about this cornerback room, so we're going to make this pretty quick, was Cole Komet, tight end for the Chicago Bears. Look, I don't view Cole Komet very highly. I think he's average at best. And four years, 50 million for an average football player at tight end. That's a lot of money to me. An average tight end is like what Josh Oliver got paid. $7 million a year. Now average, like average players are getting paid more and more every year because the salary cap is going up. I completely understand that. Sorry, Claire. I know it's not comfortable for you to sit on my lap, but you you need to. Uh, And it's, it matters. So when you look at everything, $12.5 million a year for an average player, the price for Hawkins had just went up. I had him pegged at four years and $56 million, $14 million a year. That is the same contract Mark Andrews has. Darren Waller, I've always viewed as an outlier because his first contract was so low. And then it was a three-year, $51 million extension, $17 million like per year. But the guarantees were so low, they barely had a dead cap hit when they traded the full contract away. So 
it looked like a really good deal, but it really wasn't for Waller because there was nothing guaranteed. Travis Kelsey's at 14.2 million. George Kittle's at flat 15. So I figured, okay, slide him in about 14. That's probably where we're looking. Well, Cole Komet's getting 12 and a half, not even hitting the market because free agency inflates things. Mm-hmm. You're looking at Hawkinson getting maybe 15 or $16 million. Luke Braun, Vikings put 15 and a half. And I don't think he's wrong. Like these extensions matter. And you can talk about, Hey, you have, the Vikings shouldn't have waited. Well, maybe they didn't want to. Maybe it was the Hawkinson camp who wanted to play the waiting game because they thought they could get more money based on market value. And if that was the case, they were hundred percent right because now the price for Hawkinson is a lot higher. And the, um, salary cap tag will go up because of it. I think what agents are doing is they're seeing that there's projections in the cap going up due to all the TV contracts and stuff the NFL's doing. So they're taking that percentage and going, hey, my guy, since you're going to raise the salary cap 10% next year, I want it all to go to my guy. And I think that's where a lot of these contracts are being slotted because they're thinking, hey, we're going to take advantage of that extra cap and we're going to go for it that way. I think that's why the numbers are, in today's case, a little shocking. But I think that's the reason why. And we know every year, every year, the market gets reset. Somebody makes the highest contract. And then next year, the next guy, whether they're the best or not the best, right? When Kirk Cousins signed his initially when he came to the Vikings, he was the highest for a day. That's the way the system seems to work until you get an overflow of competent players in a specific position, and then it starts to be devalued, IEC running back. But I think that's why these guys are going up. Tight end is becoming more of a premium player and can affect the game more, so their cost is going up. And I expect, yeah, 15-ish. Yeah, I think 15 is a a really solid um, projection at this point. But the Vikings have the tag in their pocket. They can use that. Mm -hmm. And uh, let me say this about the tag, because you said that tag is going up. Cole Komet won't factor into the tag. It's the average of the top five players of the position. The transition tag is like the top 20. Right. Wow. No, so, top 10 for transition. Top five for the first round, mm-hmm. top 10 for the other. Yeah. So it, it's, we want to get him signed. We want to get all these guys signed before it, it makes a difference. Right, Claire? Yeah. Yeah, we do. Mm-hmm. But it's just one of those deals. So let's, let's do this. Um, Thank you all for joining here tonight. We're going to have a lot of fun. Today was the first training camp practice. If I highly recommend you check out the article from Judd that is coming later tonight. He is going to have a full recap of what we saw at day one of practice because this was a closed practice. Media, only media was available to go. Fans can start going on Friday. So just something to be aware of. So we're going to have as much coverage as we can. I unfortunately will not be able to be at a lot of the practices um, I am still working on trying to get a credential and we are um, talking to the Vikings right now and trying to see what we can do until then we have Judd Zolgad 
Score North and Vikings Wire that's going to help us out with a lot of that information until I can at least go as a fan. So thank you. Like, comment, subscribe. Do all the fun things to help us out and help us grow this network. We're almost at 800 subscribers. We want to be at 1,000 before kickoff of the first game. And this is going to be one fun season. Something to also note, we are starting to release articles on the Vikings First and Skull section on um, the Fans First Sports website. You'll be able to find that in the show notes. And Dave will, uh, I'm sure, put that website in the comments as well. He's written a couple things that are really good that you will want to check out. So make sure you go do that. Let's get to the corners, Dave. This cornerback room, if you had to give a brief synopsis, like a one-sentence description of what this cornerback room is, Dave, how would you describe it? (laughs) Huge question mark. Young. Even Brian Murphy Jr.'s young. And it's it's going to be, as I wrote, I salivate to see the competition because these guys, there's a, we don't know who's going to start where. I mean, we we assume Brian Murphy Jr. is going to be the CB one. That's obvious. He's coming in off his second contract or on his second contract. The Vikings selected him, got him. He's going to be CB one. But that CB2 and nickel and who's going to play nickel and in what situations, we just don't know. And with Andrew Booth Jr. and Caleb Evans, they have the injury histories. Will either one of them step up? Booth was the highly touted one. He's got the size. That's why he was drafted in the second round last year. And then Evans, as a fourth rounder, he had some flashes of being very good. He can stay with a wide receiver, which is great, but he had his concussions. And then this season, we have Brian Flores in the house, and he pushed to get Makai Blackman. Does Blackman step up and steal one of those two spots? And again, we have no idea until we start to see it and see it play out. It's going to be, I think it's going to be Fascinating. And it's going to be key to whether, if it all comes together, the Vikings defense takes a huge step. If it doesn't come together, we'll be shaking our heads at the end of the season and wondering specifically about Kwesi's drafting. But we'll find out. And I think that point about Kwesi's drafting is really interesting, Dave. As uh, we see, Bob is finally down to 93 degrees. I remember him saying, I think Monday it was like 96. Hey, a, a little drop like that makes a big difference. But let's, my sentence is this. It's, it's like walking into a random pizza joint, ordering a sausage and pepperoni pizza and not knowing how it's going to come out. Because everybody knows a sausage and pepperoni pizza is a good pizza. Sausage is a great topping. So is pepperoni. You get cheese, you get the crust, you get the sauce. But when you go into this random hole in the wall pizza joint, and I'm not a big Barstool sports fan, but Dave Portnoy does those um, one bite. Everybody knows the rules pizza reviews where people will tell him when he goes to a certain town that you got to go try this pizza joint. They always order a cheese pizza because if you have a good cheese pizza, you have a good pizza in general. So like that, that's the idea. And I agree with that. I've heard it with pepperoni. People order a pepperoni pizza to judge the pizza joint. If they make a great 
pepperoni pizza, their pizza is usually outstanding. If their yep. pepperoni pizza is meh, it's not worth it. And I do that all the time here in Texas because there are not enough Italians that know how to make pizza down here. I, I should hook you up with my boss at Voice of Wrestling, Joe, who is a, a, a New Jersey Italian living in College Station. So I, I, he, he might know of a couple spots. I'll, I'll ask him if he, how much he knows about Austin. But uh, let's get back to the, the pizza discussion and cornerbacks. The thing with a pizza from a random pizza joint, you really just don't know what you're going to get. And that's kind of what we're seeing here. The potential is boundless. The potential is this could be a top cornerback room in the league. There's just question marks everywhere. Dave, you remember that scene in Goodwill Hunting when Matt Damon is cleaning the hallways at Harvard and he walks into the classroom and looks at the math problem and solves it? Yes. That math problem is the Vikings cornerback room. There's just so many variables <laughs> and so many different pieces that you have to solve for in order to fully understand, hey, this is what I have and this is what's going on. I uh, like. There's so many different ways this can go that... That's kind of why the pizza analogy really works because when you try a new pizza joint for the first time, you don't know how it's going to happen. Well, hopefully Brian Flores is the Matt Damon character and he puts mm -hmm. all that together, comes up with the answer. Yes, absolutely. So let's start with Byron Murphy Jr. Out of of the University of Washington comes from Arizona and Byron Murphy Jr., very talented football player and he's a little smaller but he's really good at man coverage and he can play in the slot. So the idea here is with his slot versatility, what you can do is hold on, hold on. I got to stop this. No mushrooms. <laughs> I, no mushrooms. We're oh, not talking that, psychedelic. We're talking like Bella and Portobello mushrooms. Give me, I have, when I was poor, that's Raymond. I was like 22 years old. And all I cared about was hanging out with my friends and having a bunch of beer. I would, eat like a container of mushrooms, saute it in a, just a little pat of butter. And that'd be my dinner. I love me some mushrooms. I am. I'm very sad to hear that there's mushroom slander in the chat, but I, I get it that I will slander the heck out of some pineapple, but let's, let's get back to Byron Murphy <laughs> Jr. here because he can play in the slot. Now you're in a position where you can play inside and out. So if your best three in nickel has Two guys who can only play on the outside and Byron Murphy, he plays inside. Do you have a guy who's best in the slot? Murphy plays outside. You can do a lot of different things. And having him as your number one really helps that. Now, you'd like him to just be able to match up with the other number one receiver. Sure. That's the easy route. But there's other things you can do. And I think that's an important thing to talk about here. And with Dan saying that morals are the best mushrooms, that is a man of culture right there. Absolutely agree. And you know who's the morals of this cornerback room? His name is Byron Murphy Jr. <laughs> and he's, he's just really good. He's, if you ever watch Washington play football, they basically play drop eight and they, they do some unique blitzing, but their cornerbacks are asked to do a lot. And because their corners are asked to do a lot, when they come into the NFL, they're usually uh, able to have some modicum of success right away. I really like Byron Murphy Jr. and how he's able to kind of do a lot of different things. And Claire's looking up at me like, yep, I absolutely agree, Dad. Byron Murphy Jr. is very good at football. And the big thing with him is staying healthy. He's missed a decent amount of games in his career. 
He missed a lot last year because of a back injury. Now, I will say some of that was due to the fact that he, um, like the Cardinals weren't in it. So he's like, you know what? I could probably play, but let's just shut it down for the year. And there's a lot of merit to that. And it probably helped him get a, like, it actually probably didn't help him with the free agency market, but it helped his body long term to not necessarily test it. Um, hey, pineapple on a burger is different than pineapple on a pizza, Dr. Proto. So we can have that. We can have that conversation. <laughs> maybe, maybe Dave and I will just record a, a, a live episode where all we do is talk about food. Cause I think that could be a lot of fun. And it it's, I'll be honest talking about food on the show is dumb, but I don't mean that in an insulting way. It's just, we're a football show. We're talking about food on pizza. I love this. It's, it's a lot of fun. And like, Claire's food well, is sardines. Like it may be oh yeah. how I envision Brian Flores and how he will match up who's against who depending on the situation. It's very much like a pizza chef who's going, Hey, I'm going to have a little bit of pepperoni, uh, capicoli, some uh, Italian sausage on this one. I'm going to put some jalapenos and spice and a lot of red pepper and this and that. And we're going to mix it up and we're going to do it for this play or this series. And hopefully it comes out and it's absolutely primo. And that's what we expect to see from the cornerback room, or I expect to see at least. I can't speak for you, Tyler. But I expect to see that that is what's going to happen. And then we're going to get, you know, meat and potato guys on the defensive line and stuff like that. But when it comes to your defensive backfield and your corners, you want a little spice back there. You want it to be different, to screw with the head of the opposing quarterback. Yeah, you absolutely do. And I'm very intrigued to see how Flores is going to really utilize some of these players in the back end, but we have a lot of guys to talk about. We'll end up circling back to Byron Murphy Jr. here as as the night goes on. But let's talk about Andrew Booth Jr. Sorry, sweet girl. Dad's foot was falling asleep. You're, you're, you don't weigh three pounds. You weigh 22. <laughs> Andrew Booth Jr. comes from Clemson. It was a five-star recruit coming out of high school, and that's important to note because in his entire college career, Booth flashed big time potential. I thought he could be a uh, he could be a really talented player in the at the next level. And I still believe he can be. One of the tough parts about him in college was he played his entire career, Dave, with mm-hmm. a sports hernia injury. So he had a hernia all three years and got it fixed right before the NFL draft process. There is a lot of merit to kind of just wanting to play through it. But at a certain point, maybe you should just get it fixed and doing it right before the draft cost him. uh, I'm going to be honest, cost him a lot of millions of dollars because I thought he could have been a top 15 pick with testing. He never got to test also 42 and the Vikings end up benefiting from that. Love the, uh, the value of the selection looked rough to start. And we knew he was going to be a project. He needed to clean up a lot of things. And quite frankly, the Donatel Fangio style defense wasn't the perfect fit for him. This is a great fit for him. I thought he thrives in man coverage. He can play cover two really well. 
Um, and I think that that man match stuff is going to suit him re- like really nicely. But you look at the whole encompassing picture, man coverage is a better fit for Andrew Booth Jr. And Brian Flores is going to be able to nurture a guy like that on the outside. He is not afraid to have corners that are small. And I'm not just talking height small. I'm talking weight small. But Kai Blackton's 178 pounds at 5'11". And you have uh, Jack Jones, who, you know, maybe I have the first name wrong, but he just assigned a uh, an extension with the New England Patriots. He's like 5'10". Like, they drafted Christian Gonzalez at 17. He's their only cornerback above 6'2". I think he's their only cornerback also above like 185, 190. They're not afraid to use smaller corners in this scheme because it's about technique. It's about aggressiveness. It's about mentality. And then you have the man match element where you're it's man matches. Essentially you're playing man coverage until you hit a spot. It's a hybrid of man and zone coverage. And that is really interesting, really fun to watch. And it's something that you really need to look at. And I think Booth is going to be able to thrive playing that style, but he has to stay healthy because it's not just the sports hernia, it's the knee. He had a torn patella tendon in high school, got that fixed, and then he tore his meniscus this past year. And they didn't do the the quick, the scrape, so he could be out six weeks. They did the full repair, which is a better long term uh, injury like uh, procedure because it, you're not just fixing it so you can get back on the field right away. You're fixing it to fix it. And when it comes to knee cartilage, that is a huge deal where you're because scraping it, you're basically cutting out the bad tissue. You're cutting out. I've torn mine and I went through all the options as to what you could do. The, you can go in and just snip off the tear. That's one option. You can go in there and cut it all out where it's at, that's the long-term option. Or you can leave it alone and hope it doesn't come back. Mm-hmm. Because generally, cartilage doesn't heal. There is a small percentage of people where it does, which shocks orthopedic surgeons. But for the most part, it doesn't. And I feel mine every once in a while when I tweak it. Because I settled on not doing anything other than the shots at the time. And, but every once in a while, I'll tweak, and it's like, nope, you're still there. Yeah, and ha- having that long-term procedure is just better overall. But that puts him in a position right now where he is trying to play. He's trying to earn playing time because he's he's coming in having to re- earn everything. He didn't earn playing time the first go-around. Injuries gave him playing time. Cameron Dancer playing bad football gave him playing time and now you have him here in year two he's got to re-earn it and the guy he's got to beat is a Caleb Evans out of Missouri the fourth round pick last season Evans is a really good football player and I think he's going to fit this defense really well because he's 6'2 over uh, over 200 pounds and the one thing he does well is he stays in the hip pocket so if you take a look at Evans right here okay so you've got his hip Um, I'm trying to use my yeah, I'm, I'm not even going to try it. It's just too confusing. <laughs> but you have Evans, and take a look at his hip, okay? If Evans was the receiver, the cornerback would be right behind him, right on that hip, okay? 
So that's that's called staying in the hip pocket. Because he stays in the hip pocket with his size, he's able to be able to attack the football a lot easier because he's in position to do so. One of the struggles he had in college was he struggled actually going after the football. But it's not because he wasn't in position. He was in position. He just struggled with the timing to understand when. So cornerbacks will look at the receiver's eyes. They'll look at the receiver's hands. And one thing with the receiver is if you can put your hands up really late, they're reacting to your hands. So if your hands go up, cornerbacks hands go up and they take the ball away. They bat the ball down. Well, if your hands go up super late, you catch the ball before the receiver, the cornerback even has an opportunity to get their hands up. So he's just bad with timing. You can fix that. You can train with that. You can work on getting him to utilize his position better, but you can't, it's harder to teach being in position than it is to finish. We talked about this with Christian Derrison. We talked offensive tackles when he was at Virginia tech. He didn't finish. He just kind of stood there and stand stood his ground. And sometimes you want to do that. Difference here is when you have that player and sometimes you just need to bury the defender into the ground. Well, he wasn't doing that at Virginia Tech. He's doing it now. Mm-hmm. And coaching was one of the main elements to help get him there. Can they do the same thing with the Caleb Evans? I think so. I really do. And that's going to make the, that's going to be the big thing I'm watching this year. Is Evans sort of like Trey Wayne's? Now, Trey Wayne's coverage was usually pretty decent, except for he never turned his head. Right? He never, he was close enough, but he never. He never watched the hands to turn his head or make a play on the ball. He always, if the receiver's hands would go up, his hands would go up and he'd just run right through the receiver. Is it I think Wayne was different because he was so fast. And that's why too much speed can actually be a hindrance. So I talked about this with like super mobile quarterbacks. And when you're when you're so dominant at a position without having to learn technique, there's a mentality like, well, I don't need to learn this because I'm already dominating everybody. Well, at a certain point, you're going to need that technique because they're going to figure you out. Kyler Murray is considered by many who know the sport of high school football, the greatest high school football player of all time goes to uh, Texas A&M first and transfers to Oklahoma, wins Heisman trophy ninth overall pick in the MLB draft. And then also went number one overall in the NFL draft less than a a year later because he wanted to start one year at Oklahoma. And now he's a starting quarterback making $46 million a year with the Dave. What are you doing? I was looking for the dog. Oh, there she is. Yeah, she's 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 doing real good. Um, She's a happy girl. What big thing with like Kyler Murray never had to learn like the nuance. He never had to learn a lot of like raw technique because he was just able to beat everybody. Mm -hmm. And at a certain point now in the NFL, you can't just play backyard football and succeed week in and week out. They're going to figure you out. And they have to a certain extent. Michael Vick never really tried to learn how to play quarterback. And he talked about that in his two part ESPN 30 for 30. Never watched film. He's like, I'll just go up. He basically winged it every week. Then he went to jail. Then he came back and he learned how to play quarterback. And guess what? 
The dude threw for like 4,000 yards in a season for Philly. He was awesome as a passer. Like, well, Brett Favre went through the same phase. He never learned defenses. Odie, you're fine. Until later in his career when he sat down and learned to watch film and identify this is this and this means that and all this. Mm -hmm. He just went on pure, I can throw this ball through a brick wall, so I'm going to do it. And it was not till later, you know, 2009 being the prime example where he was just shit hot and knew that the defense, knew the offense, knew everything down pat. Yeah, and it's, I don't say these things, it's not an insult. When you're already playing great, why do you need to go the extra mile? You're already playing great. What does it matter? It doesn't. Like, that's kind of the mindset. And like that translates to a lot of us in our everyday lives. Like, if I'm already doing great at this one thing, why do I need to try and improve and be better? Why do I need to learn nuance? I'm already winning. I don't need to win better. I'm already winning. Like that, that mindset is normal for humans. So that's where that, that Trey Wayne's discussion. Well, I'm so fast. I can just make up for everything. Sometimes you don't necessarily have to uh, like, you don't think that you're going to need to learn all this nuanced technique because you're just going to be able to fix it with your athleticism. Eventually, Dave, your athleticism goes away and Mm -hmm. you're going to have technique in order to survive. Well, Trey, Trey Wayne's, um, it, he obviously dealt with some injuries and now he's running a, it's, it's like a, it, like a hunting range or something where you, you do like pay to do guided hunts up in Northern Minnesota. Okay. Like, like they have him here in Texas. Yeah. He's, he's doing just fine now, but you got to be able to be willing to take that next step and uh, learn those things. And those who have extreme athletic gifts are usually the ones who are less willing to learn the technique because they think that their athletic gifts will just take them everywhere. And it's not everybody. Don't get me wrong. Like it's some, and but that can be a real thing. Yep. Hey, Sarah, welcome to the show. Now it's in life. If you can become a subject matter expert, or you know everything about that subject or the majority of things about that subject. You never know everything. That's always the, whether you want to call it Zen or whatever, Buddhism or whatever it is, you're always striving to learn more and more. And it happens in life. You want to get better and better. And there's always new levels to discover. Yep. It's no different on football. If you can sit there and maximize your abilities. And if you're blessed with just physical abilities, which a lot of these players are, and you're going up against somebody who may not be as physically gifted, but works 10 times harder and tries to learn all the different things, they may beat you. And I give you a prime example of Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins is not the most physically gifted quarterback in the NFL. But he works hard and he gets wins, especially last year when he learned more of the mental side of things, and he's gotten better. And there it is. Today's show, Dave says something nice about Kirk Cousins. There we go. It's a a rarity. Make sure you you clip that and post it all over the internet. Sarah, thanks for joining the show. Um, I'm glad that you think highly of us that we don't do that. We we greatly appreciate it. 
I, I try to learn about all these guys and hey, let's let's also be honest here. Not perfect. We're gonna make mistakes, but it's learning from those mistakes that helps us be better here down by, at Vikings first and skull. Evans is gonna be interesting. The big thing with Evans, he's got injury stuff too. Um, it's different injury stuff. Three concussions in uh, in like the span of like six weeks. That's awful. That's brutal stuff. And having that many concussions is not great. And it can be really dangerous, but it also could mean that he's completely fine. Uh, But once you get your first concussion, you are more susceptible to getting more. And that's a scary thing. And it's going to be really tough to see that to project him forward without seeing how he can handle a full season. Because I, I want to see that he can come back from the concussion injury. We, we've seen Odie. Why are you barking? <laughs> and Mary, Sorry, I, I think that's the new helmet he's wearing this season. Because I took this yep. image from earlier during OTAs. And I think that's the new helmet. And I did a study on the helmets, which ones are the best. Viscous has the highest rated one. And I believe that's their top of the line one. Runs about $1,000. Ooh. Thousand bucks. That's 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 a pretty penny. Hey, if it's gonna, if he gets one more year out of his career because of it, it's worth it. And you yes, know, sir. and if he doesn't end up with severe CTE when he's my age, it's worth it. Hmm. Yeah, but in- injuries are going to be uh, really intriguing to follow with uh, a Caleb Evans, just like it is with Andrew Booth Jr., because there's real concern there. Now let's talk about um, not the Vikings draft pick this year, but the guy who was getting first-team reps today. And you'll be able to read about that from Judd Zolgad here on the Vikings Wire once he gets it to me. Um, probably around 8 Central is, I'm guessing, when it's going to go up. And that is Joan Williams. Now, Joan Williams is a fifth-year guy, signed a one-year vet minimum deal with the Minnesota Vikings, Coming from the New England Patriots. Now, here's why this is important. It's the same defense. Bill Belichick and Brian Flores run the same defense. Now, they run it slightly different. They don't always have the exact same way of thinking. But the same core principles and having those same core principles matter, Dave. And because it's the same core principles, Joe Juan Williams is going to be able to help these younger guys learn the playbook faster and that is why he's here. He's also here to potentially be a starting cornerback. He's 6'3", 215, and he is every bit tall. Like they, um, one of the beat writers, I think it was Alec Lewis of The Athletic, said, yeah, he, he's big. He's a big guy. Now, when you're playing man coverage, you're doing a lot of off-man, and you're doing a lot of aggressive blitzing. Having a guy that has a lot of size and length can be really good because he can take advantage of things and he can make up space. And that is something that is really intriguing to the Vikings. I'm yeah, especially uh, paired up against small receivers. It gives him the reach advantage. The reach advantage is number one. Um, and I don't know if he's ever going to be a player that takes like is going to be a starter for you. Right. But he's a really good depth guy. <laughs> All right. I had to yell at the dog. He is borking. And I, I, I apologize for that. 
um, when the wife is not home, I got to do the show with the with the pups, and we can't quite trust Declare to do um, uh, to be by herself yet. Um, and I don't want to crate her up when I'm home. I just I I just have a problem with that. So, but yeah, it's it's going to be interesting with uh, Joanne Williams, and I'm very intrigued to see how he's going to fit here. But we got to talk about the rookie, Makai Blackman. Blackman is an intriguing player. He's 24 years old. He's going to be a rookie. He was the Vikings third round pick. Some people loved the pick. Some people are like, you could have got this dude like 50, 60 plays like picks later, but they got their guy. And when you have a super deep cornerback room, like class, like this draft had, you're going to see fluctuation because let's take the four teams in the NFC North. All four of them may prefer a different style of cornerback. And because you prefer a different style of cornerback that like, if you're all drafting the same spot, one might be a uh, consensus corner five or corner nine corner 20 and corner like 16. It's very different because at a certain point, talent will trump all, but that doesn't mean talent trumps all right away. You want to ha- have a fit fit matters when you're talking about these draft boards. They don't just have them based stacked based on talent. They have them stacked based on, how they would work out with the Minnesota Vikings. Now talent plays a huge factor into that. You still have to be a good football player, but if you're a good football player, that's a 290 pound guard. You're not going to get that guy for a gap scheme. When you need that guy to be able to bulldoze people forward, you're getting that guy at 330, 335 pounds. That's where fit matters. And Blackman fits what the Vikings want to do. Aggressive man cover corner who is willing to talk shit on the field and back it up. That's black. He's able <laughs> to do a the lot. Attitude. Yes. The attitude is honestly the most important part and he's got it. He's got it in droves and he's a very talented player. They had him at in playing in, in the slot in minicamp, something he only did 213 times his entire college career. Now, because of COVID-19, a lot of these guys are playing five years. God bless them. That's fantastic. They're, t- they're being able to take advantage of a loophole instituted by the NCAA where 2020 did not count. Anybody who played in 2020, that's a free year of eligibility. So these guys are playing five years. And hell yeah, why not play five years? It's it's the smart thing to do. You get more experience. You get to take more college classes, hopefully come out with a, another degree for free. It's awesome. And Blackman took advantage paying, playing those five years. And he's a really good cover corner, but I don't know how he, with his size, how he's going to be able to physically ha- like handle himself. He played against Jordan Addison every day in practice. Like we know he can handle guys like Addison on a regular basis. Yeah, but but that's small. Now, that was going to be my next point. Addison's also small, but sometimes if you can handle the small guys who are going to outquick you, it's it's fine. And I I kind of look at all encompassing. I like Blackman a lot. I think he can be really good. And Charlie says let Blackman play outside. I think they will. The idea of putting him in the slot is to get him on the field and to see how he can handle that. Because you want all your best guys on the field. I don't think it's necessarily saying he can only play the slot. But it, it's worth noting 
that he was getting first team reps as a third round pick in mandatory mini camp. That's that's noteworthy. And I need to take a drinky poo. <laughs> no, I th- I think it's going to be fascinating and how they how we see them, how Flores puts them in there, how we see them to evaluate it. Because it's going to be probably different players every single day. And people are going to be going, well, who's in the lead for the job? And they're going to stick Blackman in one day. They stuck Joe Jawan Williams in today, right? They're going to stick Evans in. They're going to stick Booth in. And we're all going to go, who's playing where, when? Right now, it's just... Flores is sitting there going, all right, I want to see you in this position, in this situation, how you do. Then I want to see this guy over here on this side in this situation and how he does. And they're sitting there evaluating. Does he play better on the right? Does he play better on the left? Does he play better on the line? You know, you know, face-to-face with the wide receiver? Or does he play better being five to ten yards off? How do each ones play? And they're sitting evaluating during camp going all right this guy does great at this this guy does great at that this guy does and i think that's how flores my understanding of how he works he marks that down so he knows that when certain situations comes up he goes my best guy to do that is blackman my best guy to do that is evans evans get over here you're in the next play right and that's how i anticipate this season going that's how I would run it as a coach. and But it's going to be interesting to see who those players are and how well they play. We'll start to see film out of camp. I'm sure the Vikings have probably already put up some sort of highlight today. But we'll start to see stuff when fans get there on the weekend. And then once pads come on. Right now, I caution people, they're just in shirts and shorts, wait till the pads come on. That changes yeah. things a whole lot. But Flores will be there marking down. All right, this guy's good. This guy's good. You know, he's great in shorts, but he's lousy in pads, right? And and it'll move these players up and down and across on how he wants to utilize them. I think it's going to be fascinating. Like I said at the beginning, I salivate over how this is going to play out. Yes, um, I'm, I'm very intrigued to see how it's going to play out. We've hit the top five guys. Um, let's speed run through a couple of the other guys in this room because, Dave, quite frankly, we've spent 50 minutes talking about pizza toppings. And we well, need to talk about salivate. <laughs> I think I know what I'm having for supper after this show. I, I'm, I might try and convince my wife we were going to do breakfast for dinner. We do that a decent amount. I was going to make eggs and sausage, but I think I want pizza now. And hey. Hey, Dave, you, if you move the camera, you can probably see a Claire. Hey, hey, hold on. Zoom. Uh, we can only see the top. Here we go. Hold on. Okay. Zoom in on you. Move the camera down. There's her ears. Oh, boop, boop, boop. There she is. Yeah. Oh, and the mic goes down. <laughs> hey, Norse Fius, I've got almost the gain turned up to 95 on my end. And I am literally two inches away from the mic. 
Yeah. Now I can increase my own volume, but we have a limiter on this that'll cut it out. So hopefully it sounds okay. But thanks yeah. for letting me know. I appreciate that greatly. I bumped it up a little bit. All right. So let's burn through these guys. There's there's a few of them. Um, two guys that were on the team last year, Tay Gowan and Kalen Barnes. Tay Gowan was a seventh round pick, I believe, 2021 or from the Arizona Cardinals. He's got some talent, but he's also there's a reason why he's like a practice squad guy. But I think the transition to more of a man heavy scheme is going to make a really big difference for him. And Kalen Barnes ran. I think he ran the fastest 40 of all time at the combine. It was like four two two. This dude can blaze. And we talked about the thing with Trey Waynes and being too fast. Well, being fast can hinder you as a corner. And he is, he's one of those players. He relies too much on his speed and not enough on technique because he thinks speed can bail him out. Well, speed can bail you out a lot, but you have to play like your speed can't bail you out and you have to be technically sound too. And he's still trying to figure that out. Um, and then we have three UDFAs, uh, Jalen Williams from Indiana, who I don't think is going to make the team. CJ Colden Jr. Uh, I think he has a little bit of a better chance, but probably won't either. The one real wild card here is Najee Thompson, the cornerback uh, from Georgia Southern. He's basically a special teams ace. And that's what he loves to do. He loves special teams. He loves getting dirty. He loves doing the dirty work and he loves hitting people. Oh <laughs> yes, he does. And that's going to be, that's, that's going to be able to get him a roster spot. That's the intriguing one. But for the most part, it's the top seven guys competing for five or six spots. I don't really see the back end, like the three UDFAs com- seriously competing for a roster spot as far as being a cornerback, maybe Najee is a special teamer, but this is a very intriguing group. And it's also relatively top heavy as well. But I, I like what this group is. I think they're, te- I think it could be really, really good. I want to see it. And we're going to, we're going to see it early. This is, this is going to be a really fun battle to watch our training camp. And I this is the one that I want to watch because I want to see how these rookies and second year guys do because if Andrew Booth Jr. Caleb Evans and Makai Blackman all show that they should be starting the Vikings all of a sudden have four or four deep at corner. Mm-hmm. Hey, that rocks. Yes. I love the idea of being four deep at corner. And uh, as purple pocket podcast football is back. Let's go. Yes, it is back. And we are really excited. The first training camp practice happened. I'm excited to read Judd's words and you should too at vikingswire.usatoday.com here in a little while. We will have that up for you. Vikings first preseason game, August 10th, 9 p.m. at Seattle. It's going to be a, a really, really fun one, Dave. Any final words from you? Yes, tomorrow. The first of our writers, and I wrote it before the show started, for Vikings First and Skull on the Fans First Sports Network website. Hit ffsn.app, hit NFL, go down to Vikings, and you'll find all our stuff there. But our very first writer of the bunch posts tomorrow morning, and it should be a good one. 
we debut Mr. Andrew Bueller Russ as he uh, writes about Dalvin Cook. And was it a mistake to get rid of him? Yeah, it, it's an in- interesting look at kind of the whole running back discussion because it's it's not just financial. It's about, hey, what are you missing as far as who the player is and who's going to replace them? I recommend you check that out. We have some more stuff coming. And as Lord always, vikingswire.usa.com is your number one spot for all types of Vikings coverage because we don't just cover it like a beat writer. We don't cover it like an analytics guy. We don't cover it like a film guy. We don't cover it like just a football-y person. We cover it from all angles. And don't forget, Dave's Two Old Bloggers is still on Sundays until the season change. Make sure you listen to when that'll change over to Saturdays. It'll be for the regular I, season. During the preseason, we'll stick to Sundays because the games will be earlier. They'll be Fridays or Saturdays. So we'll stick to Sundays during the preseason and then for the regular season that's when we'll st- swap to Saturdays and then we'll add the post game show after that on Sundays until then he's Dave I'm Tyler this is Odie and Eclair Skull Vikings baby Skull Vikings like subscribe and ring the bell to get notifications it helps us grow this community And we all love our Minnesota Vikings. And on behalf of Tyler Fornis and myself, Dave Stefano, thank you so dearly for watching The Real Forno Show. Skull, everyone! Elevate your summer with Osea's best-selling body care set. It's everything you need for radiant summer skin on the go. Featuring travel sizes of Osea's clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral skincare, like their best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Right now, you can get the best-seller's body care set, a $78 value, 33% off. And use code SUMMER to save an additional 10%. That's an additional 10% off at OCEAMalibu.com code SUMMER. This has been a Vikings First and Skull production. Part of the Fans First Sports Network.